0: Now, that being said, let's jump into the Ten Commandments, specifically the fourth commandment. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but the commandments are broken up really into two sections. And a number of months ago, we did a series called the Jesus Creed, if you remember that. And what do you know? What do you know? That the Ten Commandments actually break off and follow the Jesus Creed. Like the Jesus Creed, the, the, the G, if you remember the, the, the statement that Jesus makes about the greatest commandment, he says, is to love the Lord your God with all that you are, right? Heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. What do you know? The, Ten the first four of the Ten Commandments are all about your relationship with God. They're all about how you love God. And then the, the final six are all about how you interact with people that even the Ten Commandments are broken off into the same categories as the Jesus Creed. So we've been going through one through four and we've been looking at how we love God. And then we'll look after summer, after we get through Judges, um, we'll look at how we then love people, the final six commandments. So a quick recap, we're looking at the Ten Commandments not from the standpoint of tell me what they are, what I'm supposed to do and why I'm supposed to follow them. Instead, what we're looking at is what do they show us about The character and the heart of God Himself. So these Ten Commandments, there's 613 laws and commands in the Old Testament. And then there's these ten that kind of rise to the top. God, why did you pick these ten? What is it about these ten that that make them different than the rest? That kind of that that they raise to the surface and become kind of the the big ones. And so what we're looking at is not the what they are, but, but what they tell us about like God's heart, about why, why these 10 are that important and, and what it reveals to us about who God is. So week one, we looked at the first commandment, which was you shall have no other gods before me, right? Like I'm it, don't put anything in front of me. And it isn't because God is insecure. It isn't because he can't handle it. It's because he knows anything else won't satisfy you. That anything else, anything else in front or in, uh, above or instead of him will ultimately let you down. So he says, don't do it. Don't do it. I promise you, I am what you need. Don't put anything before me. And then the second commandment was about making images, engraven images. And, and right away we think, well, this doesn't really apply to us. Because this is all about like creating little figurines about other gods. And I don't have any of those in my home. So I can just skip that one. Except when you read the commandment, it doesn't say that. It says, don't make any engraven images of any kind of anything in heaven or on the earth or on the sea below. He says, you don't make any Don't make an image of anything of any kind. And don't bow down and worship these. I am not these things. What image can possibly represent effectively and comprehensively me? There is not one. And and what we can tend to do, what we can tend to do is, is we can make religious items somehow more spiritual than they really are. We talked about this, how we can, we can easily uh, shift our focus from worshiping God in, in spirit and in truth, in kind of imageless worship, and we can tend to worship God, ready? In the image we want him to be, right? Even in our thought life, we talked about how when you think of Jesus, you probably think of a, an attractive, Caucasian, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, Middle Eastern man. What? How how does that work, right? Our image of Jesus, even even how we think of Jesus, is uh, be careful that we're worshiping Jesus made in the image we want him to be. So we talked about that. Um, And then last week, we looked at the third commandment, which was don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We looked at what his name was, or is, and how we got it and what it means to take it in vain. And it doesn't mean, what we looked at was, it doesn't mean that you just watch your language. It doesn't mean, hey, I just need to stop swearing, right? You need to stop adding his name to those other words. That's, all right, if I stop doing that, then I'm fine. Instead, what we looked at was this word keep or take, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, doesn't mean speak. He would have said speak. Don't say, he would have said, don't say the name of the Lord in vain. Instead, instead it means to carry to hold, to take up, to bear. Don't bear the name of God in vain. And, and for those of us who've decided to follow Jesus, we see that we've been given the name, we've, his name. We've been adopted into the family and we got his name. And here's what he says, ready? Don't live in a way that misrepresents my name. That's what it means to not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. That's very different than just simply watch your language. So we looked at that last week. Again, you can go catch up. If you miss any of these, you can go online and catch up and kind of get, get to where we are and, and, uh, and maybe spur and challenge your thinking a little bit more. So we come now to number four. And I want to start number four by asking you a question. It's, it's honestly, it's rhetorical, but here we go. Ready? Show of hands. How many of you are busy? Anyone? Anyone, right? I can see a number of you are like, I'm too busy to lift my hand. I I just don't have, I don't have the time, pastor. I can't do it. How many of you, how many of you would say you are busier than you want to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some more hands go up and you're like, yeah. And I saw some of you, like your spouse looked at you like, what? Yeah, yeah. That's me. I'm my hands up. Right. And here's the thing. Ready? You are not just busier than you want to be. Uh, Let's be honest you're probably busier than you should be. You are probably busier than what is healthy for you to be. Like your life has more going on in it than you know what's good for you. This, this I include myself in this, by the way, and here's how you know, um, here's how you know that you fit into this category of your life is busier than it should be than you want it to be, ready? When someone asks you um, and uh, maybe they're interacting with you or they haven't seen you in a while, and they're like, hey, how's life? How you doing? And your response is, oh man, I'm so busy. I got this and that and this thing. If you say that, ready? If you say my life is so busy, you fit this category of you probably are over busy, right? You're too busy. Busy Because I'm going to guess when they ask that question, hey, how are you doing? They don't want to know that you're busy. They just assume that everyone's busy, right? They're asking, how are you actually doing? And our response can be a couple things. We say we're busy because we really are. And ready? It can be kind of a cop out. Instead of answering how you really are or or even even facing how things are really going, you just sort of a blanket statement, I'm so busy. Here's what that means. Ready? My life is so full of important things, probably more than yours. I'm so busy, but thanks for asking, right? And that's how we can be. And there's been times, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, there's been times where I've like someone has asked me how I'm doing I'm like man I just got this going on and here's what happens and I hate this and I've recognized this in me and even to the point where I'm like okay I gotta I gotta figure this out and and so I don't keep doing this I'll share I'm busy and I got this and this and I'm and then what they do is they try to like one-up me well I'm busy and here's what I got busy 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 and I'm going oh it's like that huh well, I'm actually super busy and I got these things. And I'm going, man, we, we, are, we are playing a game here that we're both losing. <laughs> like there is no winner in I'm more busy than you. But man, we are, aren't we? I mean, listen, we really are. Your life is busy. If you, see, if you could see my calendar, first of all, it's beautiful. My calendar is beautiful, right? I work on my calendar probably, no joke, probably 10 to 20 minutes a day a work day, because I understand just how important a calendar is. But, but also, like, like for me, I know this is, this is my brain, and, and it's color-coded. I should have had a picture. Maybe next week I'll have a beautiful photo of my calendar, and you guys, you guys will be amazed, especially if you're like a calendar person. You'll, you'll, you can learn a thing or two from my calendar. <laughs> but here, here's the thing, ready? Here's what it shows you. And I looked at it I, last night and again this morning just to be like, all right, this is the visual. It is full. Of stuff. I mean, full of busy. This fourth commandment, commandment number four, is about the busy. Here it is, ready? Commandment number four remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Sabbath is a divine invitation that God gives us for rest and renewal. It's, uh, the Sabbath is perhaps easily the most repeated of the Ten Commandments. Maybe, maybe of all of the laws and the commandments in the Old Testament, the Sabbath is the one that gets repeated and commented on the most, easily, by far. In fact, it shows up in the festivals and the feasts, and they're centered around Sabbath. It shows up in in Leviticus 23, in the rabbinical calendar, they talk about Sabbaths and measuring the calendar based on Sabbaths. We, we even see in Leviticus 25 that, that not only are we to take a Sabbath, but the Lord says that, that you shall work the ground, like it's instruction for your crops and how you grow, that, that for six years you use the land and then for the seventh, you let it rest. That, that even, even God's creation has built a built-in need to just rest, don't grow. So David, in six years, work enough to kind of cover seven years so that they could have enough produce and resources for that, that seventh year of rest. That the Sabbath shows up all over the Old Testament. The six plus one format, six things, six days or years of working, and then one of rest shows up everywhere. So let's read this. Here it is. Here's the commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. Here's what it says Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. And then he gives seven things, like seven categories of things that aren't supposed to work on the seventh day. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male servant or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner who resides in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he he gives this commandment. It calls us to, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Now, This is an interesting commandment. In fact, it's unique. First, it's not introducing something new. He's not saying begin honoring the Sabbath. He says, remember it. This is already happening. You guys already have this day of rest. Now it's a commandment. It's an officially one of the 10. Remember it. And he says this. He doesn't say, make it holy by doing it. That if you honor it, it becomes holy. He says, keep it holy. This day is holy. This is a holy day. Your job is to not disrespect or misuse or neglect it, that, that it, is all, it is a holy day, so you keep it. Remember it. Use it. And that, that way you keep it holy in your life. Remember this day. It's the only, it's the only commandment of the positive com- commandments. You know, there's, there's you shalls and then there's you shall nots. It's the only of the you shalls in which you're supposed to, by doing it, You do nothing. How do I actually live out this commandment? Oh, great. That's a great question. Ready? Do nothing. What? Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Great idea. Stop doing anything. That's what this commandment is telling us to do. To stop. To rest. To reflect. To worship. God knew in his infinite wisdom that in our fast-paced world, in their world... And in ours, you and I need rest. We're built for it. We have to have rest. We have to sleep every day and every night. But more than that, listen, ready? There is enough stress in your life to fill you up that you can't sustain it. There's enough things vying for your time that if you you try to do everything possible, you will become overwhelmed. So the Lord says, All right, here's the deal. For six days, you work and you toil and you work hard and you work on your calendar and you you do the stuff. you, you, You do the work. But you need a day in which all of that is on pause. You can't keep, you can't sustain seven days a week over and over and over again. You need a Sabbath. This day shows up. Not here, not here for the first time, but it shows up in God's creation. The Sabbath then is learning to live on God's time, to intentionally rest. And we see this, it serves as a great equalizer. So if you go to Israel with us, you'll see this. You'll experience true Sabbath. Because on Friday night to Saturday night, um, the entire country shuts down. It changes, all of Israel. It Changes And it's a great equalizer because it, it, it doesn't depend on social status. It doesn't depend on your wealth. Like the rich and the poor all honor Sabbath. Those who are working hard and have businesses and, and, and have all of this stuff going on and those who are struggling to get by, they all honor Sabbath. It, 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 is, the, it is the thing that makes all of us say we all regardless of your lifestyle, regardless of your setting, you need a day of rest. Here's what we see. Sabbath rest is so important that God modeled it for us, that God actually does it. And he does it not because he needs to. He does it because he's modeling for us. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter two. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. In chapter one, it goes through days one through six, all of the days of creation. We get to chapter two and here's what it says. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Here's how God made all the, everything that exists in days one through six. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and here it is, look, and made it holy, made it set apart, made it different, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis 2 tells us that we see that God sets the example of resting on the seventh day. And and will you just take a guess at the word rest in Hebrew? Do you have any idea what it could be? Any idea? Any idea. No idea at all. Good. You're here to learn. Ready? Here it is. You've heard this word before. The Hebrew word here is Shabbat. The English transliteration of it is Sabbath. We say Sabbath. But if you go to Israel with us, they don't call it Sabbath. They don't say Sabbath. That's not the word. It's Shabbat. It's, it literally means rest, that God rested. He, Shabbat. That's, this, that's where it comes from all the way back from chapter 2, God actually Shabbats, he rests. And so he makes that day holy and says, all right, my people, you're gonna do this. And it isn't because, listen, it isn't because God got so tired from all the work he was doing. It wasn't because he's so exhausted. He's like, listen, guys, I don't know if you know this. It's tiring making everything. (laughs) Like, that's a lot of work. I speak and, and galaxies come into being and stars and, and create and I create the world. And then I, I speak and animals show up and, 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 and like I speak and there's light. Man, I just need a day off. This is, this is a lot of work. What time is it? This is a lot of work. God is not doing Shabbat because he gets tired. He doesn't need rest. He's not doing it because he needs rest. He is doing it because, ready? You need rest. You need a rest. So he models for us what it looks like to Shabbat, to rest. God says, I myself am going to rest. What makes you think you don't need to? Why do you think you get to live on your own time and I'm instituting my time? Six days plus one rest, that's God's time. Listen, for those of us who, who aren't really thinking about like Shabbat and what that means for us, I really think God is saying this. He's saying, why do you think your schedule and your time is somehow better than mine. That somehow your way of life is better than the one that I'm telling you you should live. Ooh, all right. I was gonna say the Sabbath, you know, the commandment wasn't for us, but it's starting to sound like it might be. It might be even for us. That the Sabbath actually isn't because God needs to rest, but because. We do. We see this, that Sabbath rest is so powerful that God promises joy from it. When we observe the Sabbath, we tap into this power and it's transformative. And it, and it, it really does allow for space in our life, but it does bring about what God says it's gonna bring about joy. Here's what, here's what he says in Isaiah 58, verses 13 to 14. It says this, if you keep your feet from breaking the Shabbat, and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Shabbat a delight, and the, the Lord's the Yahweh's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, if you do all of this, if here's how you if you if you honor this day that I'm telling you to honor, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and the feast, and to, to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here's what he's saying, ready? That this actually comes with a promise. This isn't, the same, this is not, ready? This is not dad saying you need to do this or else. We get that. You get that if you're a parent, you need to clean your room. But why? Because I want you to. Oh, fine. Have you ever heard that before? I'm daily, right? I mean, raise your hand daily. I get, like, I don't know what language this is. Oh, but that's probably the most spoken word in our house. Oh. You need to go clean your room. Oh, this is not that. This is not God saying, "Hey, honor the Sabbath, or else." Oh, He's saying this. Honor the Sabbath because ready for this. You will have joy in this. There really is benefit for you. It really is for your good and for your rest and for your joy. Not as a chore, but as a joy. All right. It is intentionally resting and allowing ourselves to be refreshed physically and emotionally and spiritually. It's, it's time to reset and recharge and, and direct our hearts back to God. And, and you need this, listen, you need this every week. This is not a once a year or if we get to it. This is a six days of work and and busy and then a day of, all right, let's just rest and focus. Sabbath rest, we also see this. Not only did God model it for us, not only does he promise joy from it, but we see that it can be distorted. And in fact, it can be so distorted that God tells us it's proper place. There historically has been really two responses, and approaches to interacting with Shabbat. One, the first one, historically, and probably the one that's like when we think of Shabbat, we think of this, um, is is to uh, is to really to uh, overregulate it, to make it to make it more than what it is. And this is what happens in Israel. This is like Shabbat throughout the years, throughout the centuries to where it is now. And, and what you see, if you follow this, if you like follow a history of kind of like the rabbinical teachings and the rabbis well, on speaking specifically on Shabbat, like they argue and they go back and forth on what work means. What, what work is? What does it mean to do? And they do this in every category of their life. And so they come up with all of these distinctions of this is work, this isn't work. And and if you do this, that counts as work. But if if you do it, half of the amount, it's not quite work yet. And so what they did was they created not just like honor the Shabbat, but now a whole bunch of kind of rules and regulations around it to make sure that we never actually break it. And that's what happened in Jesus's day where they have all kinds of other stipulations all around Shabbat. And it happens even today. I'll give you some examples. So if you go to Israel, um, uh, you'll, uh, you'll experience this, undoubtedly, on Shabbat. If you, if you go to, um, to any hotel where well, there's an elevator, here's the deal, ready? You are not allowed to push the button of the floor you wanna go on. That is work, you sinner. How dare you, how dare you push a button on an elevator? Instead, the elevators are designed to, ready? Stop on every floor. Single floor, all the way to number forty. Keep going. So if you're if you're saying, oh man, we got a great view, honey, we're on floor thirty-eight. Change it. I'm telling you, change your room to floor two. Right? It will be better for you. So here's what happens. You get. It's like it's like um, it's like Elf. You remember the movie Elf, right? It's the same thing. Every every Shabbat, someone has touched all the buttons and they all light up, and you're like. This is crazy, but it's how they do it. And they have other elevators, like they have, so they have Shabbat elevators and then they have normal, like like you and us, like Gentile elevators, and that you're allowed to press buttons. But, but don't you dare, don't you dare go into a Shabbat elevator and think you're gonna push a button because that's work. Now, is that in the Bible? No, nowhere at all. Is that Does that constitute work? But they have defined what work is and and the pushing of a button is considered work and you don't do it. So if you go to Israel, you won't do that. Here's another one. There's another one. There's another um, uh, way that they that they mark distances outside the city. Um, it's called an eruv, e-r-u-v, and and here here is what it is. It's it's and you have to kind of know what you're looking for to see it because it's they kind of blend in. They're just long poles with a wire going across like. An area. It's not a telephone pole, it's not a telephone wire, though it kind of looks like that. It's just one wire that kind of goes around a village, around a city, whatever it may be. And that wire is a marker to show you how far you are allowed to travel on Shabbat. That anything outside of that wire is work. Anything inside. It's actually it's actually defined and deemed as a loophole into the regulations. Of Shabbat. Because on Shabbat you're not supposed to travel. Traveling is work. Stay home. Listen. Stay home. But you got stuff to do. You got to go to the grocery store. You got, what do you mean? We can't just sit at home and do nothing. This, This rule, this kind of like loophole was actually created, believe it or not, for moms, young moms, for women who are at home with the kids who are saying, get me out of this house. And they literally made it so that, that women could take their, their babies on their strollers and are allowed to go in certain areas and to go shopping, whatever it may be, because the women stay home and that's kind of the culture. And so they're allowed to travel. And here's the loophole. Ready? This little wire is kind of a, a, a fence that tells us, well, this is considered territory and still our property. So it's not traveling because it's still our land collectively. This is all over Israel, but it's also in major areas, in in major cities where there are like large Jewish populations, certainly in New York, Manhattan, they have these. And and it's just these wires. Again, if we go to Israel with us, you'll see this and you'll go, wow, that's crazy. So on Shabbat, whoever lives in that city, that town, that village, you can't travel past that wire because that's now dishonoring or breaking Shabbat. Now, is that in the Bible? No, nowhere. Is it that you can make these kind of imaginary fence distinctions? But they've added to it. They've over-regulated the purpose and intent of Shabbat. Jesus faced this. In fact, he gets criticized because they say you're breaking Shabbat because of you're doing ministry on Sabbath. You're healing people on Sabbath. How dare you heal people on Shabbat? You can't do that. Healing, don't you know, Jesus, healing is Work. You're not allowed to do that. You might have changed their life. You might have given them sight. So what? You worked. <laughs> because they over-regulated. So that's one option. Then the pendulum can swing, and, and, and this would be us. We don't over-regulate it. You and I, that, that seems like a whole distant world, right? You and I, instead, we neglect it. We neglect it completely. We don't even think about Sabbath. We know it's a thing. We know it's all in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know it's one of the commandments. But like, it's not for us. That's us for other people who don't have the, the busy lives that we do, who don't have the color-coordinated calendar like I do, who aren't as busy, who don't have phones, that are, like people trying to get a hold of them. Like, I got stuff to do. I got a lot of stuff to do. This Shabbat wasn't made for people like me. It's for the, all of them out there. And what you and I can do in our response to the overregulated experience of shabbat is to say well i don't want to do it at all i don't need to do it i don't need to do it well well that may be true in the fact that like you you're not going to die but to say but to say i don't want to experience or live in god's time table for my life ooh that's a bold statement to say listen lord i know you want me to rest for a day I'm actually pretty good at this. I got it. I don't need your design for me. So we can neglect it. Here's what we see. Jesus is having interaction with with some of the disciples and, um, and with his disciples and the Pharisees. And we see this in Mark chapter two, the beginning of the book of Mark, beginning of his ministry, says this in verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. Evildoer, you evil doer. Verse twenty four. The Pharisees said to him, "Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? How can they do this? How can they pick grain on Shabbat?" Sinners. He answered, "Have you never read? This is great. I love that Jesus goes right back to the Bible and specifically Old Testament and even David, the guy that everyone, of course, respected." Have you ever read that what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and, and ate consecrated bread. You don't do that. Which is, which is lawful only for priests to eat, but it wasn't deemed as, as sinful or unlawful. And he also gave some to his companions because they were in need and their need trumped this rule to not eat it. Then he said to them, here it is, ready? Shabbat, was made for man, not man for Shabbat. So the Son of Man is Lord even of Shabbat. That he, he can decide what happens on Shabbat. And, and here's what he says, ready? That Shabbat should not control you. You, man was not made to serve Sabbath, which is, which is honestly, again, you go to Israel, you experience that. And it's sort of a, man, this whole place Exists to make sure that we don't break Shabbat. And he says, you've gone too far. But he doesn't say this. He does not say, therefore, neglect it completely. Forget about it. He says, instead, no, 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 it was made for man. And it was made to be used. It was made for your benefit. So, so don't neglect it. Don't overuse, don't uh, overregulate it, but don't, don't flip side, don't just remove it or eliminate it from your life. That you, you really do Need this. Jesus reminds us that Shabbat was for man's, made for man's well being. And so he expects us to use it, to be practiced. So to keep Shabbat, to keep Sabbath rest holy, here's the deal. Ready? I need to practice it happily. Listen, I'm going to free you up from some stuff here, okay? Some of you, you feel guilty when you have a nap. Let me tell you right now, you l- enjoy that nap, right? The person you're, uh, you're in your family with, you're like, hey, you seem to nap every Sunday. Yeah, Just living out the Lord's will in my life. You should try it, right? You sinner, you should try to be a better Christian like me, taking my rest. Listen, we, we can feel guilty. You and I, I think maybe because of the American culture of the like busy, 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 gotta do this and gotta make sure like the, if there's kids or grandkids or, or like there's the work stuff, like everything's got like a place to be and everyone, there's always the next thing and some schedule here and whatever. Like I experience that. I feel that. My calendar is crazy. But at some point you just have to say, hey, we gotta take a breath here and rest. So how do you do this? How do you practically say, all right, I'm gonna do this, this Shabbat. Thing. i'm gonna i'm gonna do this number one right you have to be intentional you will not accidentally remove things from your calendar it won't happen right your calendar your calendar is a beast and it loves it loves to add stuff to it it hates blank space your calendar hates blank space it wants to fill it with everything you know i you know this is true you know this is true because you're looking at stuff and you're like, oh man, we got this thing coming up. Where can we put it? Oh, here's a blank space. We've got, we can do that right here. And all of a sudden you've got another thing and it will eat. Listen, your calendar, if left unmanaged, will destroy you. <laughs> you, you this is the equivalent, ready? The calendar was made for you, not you for your calendar. But we can absolutely get to a point where we fill our lives. So you have to be intentional you have to intentionally say, we're, we're, listen, this is on purpose. We are going to rest as a family, as a couple, whatever your kind of social setting is by yourself or maybe you got roommates, wherever you, whatever you're living, like circumstances, you say, all right, we're going to be intentional on how we rest. This is different, right? You don't get this. Uh, you know, you turn on the news, they're not telling you, hey, you know what you guys need to do? You need some Sabbath rest. No, you don't hear that in culture. But the Lord tells us specifically, this is my day. I made it holy. I want you to keep it that way. So you have to be intentional. And ready? Here it is. Ready? Number two, just pick a day and start. Pick a day and start. A Saturday or a Sunday. Pick a weekend day where you say, all right, you know what? As a family, as a family, as a couple, or whatever it may be, we're going to begin having a Sabbath rest where you you can just, Rest. Where you're not going to fill your calendar with every single thing possible that you say. And Sunday's a great day. Sunday's a great day where you can say, we don't. we're gonna get up, we're gonna go to church, we're gonna worship the Lord, we're gonna hear from the Lord, we're gonna we're gonna listen, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna read, we're gonna be challenged, and then we're gonna go home and we're just gonna honor the Lord by resting. By resting. Uh, do we have to? No, we don't have to. We get to. <laughs> it's awesome. We get to rest. As a part of our faith, as a part of the thing that God wanted us to do, we get to rest. Listen, listen, you need rest in your life. You do. You need rest more than you need to dust. Am I right? Amen. Anyone? Anyone? The dust is just going to come back anyways. Why do you even do it? You need rest more than you need to dust. You need rest more than to making sure that the lawn is at the right level. Listen, you can go one more day before you mow it. You can rest. You, you really, you can rest. So be intentional. Pick a day. This week, this is your homework. Pick a day this week. All right, Saturday, maybe if you're like, no, our Saturdays are crazy and we got all this stuff. All right, Sunday, Sunday's a great day. We're gonna pick Sunday and we're just gonna begin whatever rest looks like. It might just be, you know what? Wait hey, for the beginning, we're just gonna remove a few of the things. We're gonna block off this portion. We're gonna block off from after church to dinner where, hey, we're, we're, as a family, we're not doing anything. Why not? Because we get to rest and to be together and to honor God's Shabbat. He rested, so shall we. And, and and let's just see what happens. I imagine, I imagine you will begin, I know this to be true, you will begin your next week refreshed, encouraged, thankful that you're doing, even, even doing nothing as a family is better than everyone else doing something apart. So we're gonna do nothing one of the my favorite things to do with with my kids is we do movie night and to the point where if they say hey want to do a movie night it's like cancel everything we're doing movie night and we're going to make popcorn and root beer floats and it's going to be awesome and we're going to watch whatever you guys whatever terrible movies you guys want to watch <laughs> uh, you know about about cartoon dogs and cats and it's going to be amazing and I Listen, Lord, forgive me. I might nap during some of it, but it's my day of rest. It's my day of rest. But I love it. I love it because as a family, doing nothing together is better, is so much better than all of us doing something apart. So as a family, you say, we're gonna be intentional. We're gonna pick a day and we're gonna start having our own Shabbat, whatever that looks like. So your homework. If you're here with your spouse, great. You're going to go home and say, all right, what, what would Shabbat look like for us? What would it look like to say, we're going to, we're going to pick a day and rest? Would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're going to worship the Lord together here and thank him for, for this built-in rest that he wants for us. And then, and then ask his blessing over us as we, as we begin to practice Shabbat. So Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you that you modeled for us what it means to rest to work for six days and then to take a day in which we say we want to focus on you. We want to rest from all of the busyness, all of the stuff that, that demands our time. We're just going to say pause and we're going to rest. Help us as a people to be intentional, Lord, and to pick a day and to start resting. To be intentional and to be purposeful as we Shabbat, as we rest, as we practice what you put in place so many, so many thousands of years ago. We need it today. We need to be intentional with our rest. We thank you, Lord. We worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.